Welcome back to the Thanks I Quit podcast. Our guest today is Christoph Kuchen, who works for the Swiss Ventures Group. Christoph, if you could introduce yourself, please, by explaining a little bit about what your group does yes. and how it is organized. Okay, so thank you much for having me. Um, so who we are and how we are organized, we have to look at two things. A is the Swiss Venture Group, which is basically Swiss largest privately financed venture platform. Um, and within this holding company, or we say actually this, this platform, which has been created, we have six independent companies which are attached to the Swiss Ventures Group. And all of these companies are linked to the startup or the venture sector. And I work for the Serpentine Ventures, which is one of the companies within the Swiss Ventures Group. And basically, we are the investment manager, uh, the leading investment, uh, investment manager within Switzerland on the venture side. So we invest in startup companies via funds. This is how we are organized. And where did you get your sort of original funding for and who invests in your funds? So the original funding, the main idea comes from the three main founders, which then also had uh, some uh, backers, some external backers, which believed in, in, in the idea uh, like eight years ago. And over that one, it grew um, a lot from the ultra high net worth space. We have some family offices. This year, we actually entered into a strategic partnership with a Swiss private bank to basically be their partner when it comes to venture capital. And we now expanding also more on the institutional client side. Okay. And would you be able to tell us a little bit about some of the funds you're offering and maybe also some of the companies that they're investing yeah, in? Yeah, sure. Abs absolutely. So we have a, we call it the venture asset management approach and within a horizontal fund approach. And what does this mean is, we not focused on one deal stage within the venture capital life cycle. We have, uh, when we talk about the life cycle, three different funds from the early stage, mid stage and late stage, which then covers basically everything from the birth of a company up to the pre-IPO phase of a startup company. So we can over the funds basically yeah, go along with them and then prepare them for an exit. This is how we are set up. And this is very unique in, in, in this approach because, and that's why we talk about venture asset management, because the, the client has the opportunity to invest in all three of these funds, for example, the life cycle, at the same time and diversify within this asset class by itself as well. So that's a unique approach. And what is the investment horizon for an investor in your funds? So normally it's round about 10 years. So if you look at uh, on the venture capital side, it, it, which go through the, the famous often heard the J curve, you have this three to four years of an investment period. And then basically the next from the year four to 10, more or less like a harvest period than when the company actually then is producing the returns you're looking for. Okay. And 
In terms of, I know you said you've got more institutional clients coming in now. Does yeah. that mean you've got more of a track record? What, what is it now that's more attracting to institutional clients that maybe wasn't there five or 10 years ago? So um, it is. it has to do also with the track record. So we started already eight years ago as a company, as an incubator, and we grew to the Swiss Ventures Group and with the underlying companies. Uh, we built this platform, this powerful platform, which we have. So we have, for example, very close relationships with the ETH in Zurich from a university perspective, EPFL in Lausanne. And then on the other side is in the last years, you had a very, very low yield environment. So investors, institutional investors also looked for another asset class, which can be added to the whole mix to bring up the performance. So venture capital is basically now where, where private equity was 15 years ago as an asset class. And now it comes more and more, I would say, into the mainstream. And this is one of our things. We would like to democratize this access for the investor base to get in and having this one as an active asset class within their portfolio construction. And then you mentioning uh, the economic environment probably brings us nicely onto the question, what does rising interest rates mean for venture capital? Is that a serious challenge for your investments? So not in the moment, because this, uh, if, if you look at the models you normally have, it's not that you're taking one interest rate in one particular time, you have it above a, a lengthy time. So the pass is still very, very low. And now we're just starting to see it going up. So if this stays continuously, then the model will incorporate this over time. But this gives every um, startup company also the, the possibility to, to adapt to the new environment and make their business model basically adjust to it. And this is one of the things because we are also very early invest, uh, stage investors, as I mentioned before. And there we also have then an input and we can bring our input, our knowledge to these companies that they are building themselves up on a very strong also financial foot. And also, do you, do you anticipate, though, in, in the longer term that maybe you're going to see more of a move towards bonds, etc., maybe more of a kind of resuscitation of asset classes that have been less favorable recently, and then maybe in the longer term, there might be a bit of cooling of interest in venture capital? I think you should see this as a mix. So if, if you're looking now at the whole financial markets, the bonds are a little bit out of favor in the moment because of the rising interest rates. Um, but I think every asset class, I mean, has its its rights to be there. And I think it is the mix. And when we're talking about venture capital, and as mentioned before to institution investors, we tell them, see it as a satellite strategy, because you asked before the question for how long does an investor has to be invested in it. So we are talking about a 10 year commitment. So take it as a satellite investment, round about 10% of your overall portfolio. And then the other one, keep them in, in other more liquid asset classes in case you need to change. But the overall, and we looked at this one also from a numerical perspective, the overall output, if you add a little bit of venture capital, is really nicely seen then in your, out, in, in your performance over the long term. Okay. And do you have any kinds of estimates, you know, for what the performance might be of these funds? Does it vary a lot? I mean, it varies to which deal stage you are. I mean, if you look at the early stage, uh, they have a very good growth potential. If you find the next 
big one. I mean, like the next, uh, I don't know, WhatsApp or um, or the other ones which were out there. And then if you go to the growth stage, to the later stage, these are way more mature companies. And they have less of a multiple, which we're looking at, for example, or growth rate than from an early start. So it's basically where you would like to position yourself on the early, in the mid or the late stage. Um, and that's the reason why we offered it as a, as a complete horizontal fund range. How, how have your funds been performing so far? So far, very good. We're absolutely on track. So we have one uh, uh, portfolio, which was our first one, which uh, was launched in 2016 and has been closed in 2019. And um, if you talk about the multiple, which we're looking at from a venture capital perspective, there we're talking about the multiple over the years of 3.7. And the, the, the other ones we have, the early stage and the mid stage are performing very good. Uh, we just had the last quarter results coming in and they are producing multiples um, also above one. So we are on track of getting to the long term performance, which we are aiming for around about a multiple of three. Okay. So I know one of the uh, topics that people have been talking about recently in private mm -hmm. markets mm -hmm. is how do you accurately price things obviously we've seen uh, steep declines in a lot of mm -hmm. um, tech companies in public markets there's yeah. been a lot of talk about how do you price stuff in private markets mm -hmm. in parallel how, how have you approached that do you have to reassess down some valuations and how do you match them across so we re-evaluate re them, absolutely, and some have to be re-evaluated down. I mean, if they didn't make the targets, which has been agreed uh, before. Um, but it's really an active approach also we have with the companies to understand where they stand, where they have maybe difficulties and where we can help. But some of them are already standing very good and progressing in, in, a, in a very nice way going forward of the companies we have been invested in. Okay. And then in terms of Switzerland as a center for venture capital, yep. now, what what is your impression? Do Swiss investors think of Switzerland as somewhere with a lot of good venture capital opportunities? I mean, if you're in Switzerland, yes. Um, I think it's sometimes from the outside because people think Switzerland is a small country, so everything else is small. But if you look at it from um, a technology perspective or what comes out of the universities. I mean, I mentioned before the ETH and the EPFL, uh, both very much in the technology area as well. These are one of the leading three or four universities globally in this kind of sector. We have, we made it, we, we went very close to them. So we have a very close interaction with, with them basically on their campus to see what comes out there. And I think this becomes now more and more um, apparent to outside investors or other venture capital companies to look at Switzerland, because if you look at it on a per capita basis, we are one of the leading venture capital uh, countries. So um, there is enough assets within, I mean, available assets, investable assets within Switzerland from its size. And this now becomes more and more into the limelight, if you want to say it like this. Do you think that is Switzerland developing um, as a venture capital center much? How, how are you seeing the change within Switzerland for this? Absolutely. I think it's also a change coming from, and maybe we have to go two steps back. If you look at the institutional investor base or who invests or might invest into venture capital now, this is now the next generation you see coming up. 
and they are looking for other ways to invest. They like the investment also in venture capital because it's closer to the economy. Um, it's more tangible, if you want to say it like this. Then you have pension funds or insurance companies uh, or the other institutional clients who like to look at it because it's, it's, a, it's, it's a performance enhancer, if you want to say it like this, if it's done in the right way. Um, and they take this more on board. They're open, more open for it. So I think there comes a new generation, new kind of investor, which are looking at this asset class, and then it will continuously grow up over the years to like any other asset class, like private equity 15 years ago, which is now, I would say, a standard building block of every kind of portfolio these days. Okay. And then how do you find the regulatory aspect in Switzerland working with the likes of FINMA? Do you find they are constructive for venture capital? How do they compare to other major regulators? I would say very, very constructive. I mean, we now we are about to obtain our FINMA license as a venture capital company. Um, so as one of the first ones to have basically this license as an asset manager for collective assets, this helps us in the next phase of growth but in general it's it's a very friendly environment i mean in the beginning of this year the government brought out the law that the pension funds now can invest up to five percent of their assets in venture capital they directly wrote this basically in this way so now pension funds have the opportunity really to invest in venture capital going forward since the beginning of this year this is a this was really a, a, a milestone going forward from a, from a logistic perspective. Is it, um, it sounds like then you get presumably a lot of potential inflows. Is that actually difficult to manage for the sector because you need to find companies to put this money in that could influence the valuations? I mean, the, the, even if I would like to, I mean, this wall is not coming at all at the same time. It now starts to come. This is correct. But this is exactly the point we had before. Um, the outside view is that Switzerland is small, but there is enough to 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 fill this kind of uh, funds out there with this kind of money, which would come. If this wall of money would come, it can be invested over the next years without any problem in Switzerland. And I saw that I think you also have a dedicated portfolio management team. Correct. Yeah. Can you explain why you decided to establish that? Because that's not the case at every venture capital nope. manager, is yep. it? I mean, this was this is established also. Um, we wanted to to be really we, we are an asset manager, so we want to really also be set up as an asset manager where you have also a dedicated portfolio team. Because in the end of the day, um, our responsibility is towards the limited partner or let's say the investor who invests in one or several of these funds. Um, and we have to make sure that our processes are in place, the structures in place, and that the companies we, we, we invest in follow the path we think they should go forward. So this is also why we have a portfolio management team, that there is a constant dialogue with these companies. But on the other hand is also that we can be close to them, to these companies, and maybe help them going forward from the expertise we are having, so that in the end of the day, we're having a win-win situation, and that in the end, we can produce the return the client expects from us and out of this asset class. How important do you think it is to maintain a very regular, 
I guess, mentoring presence? I would say for when you look at in the early stage investments, so really when they're coming or built out of the university, we say, or you can say they're like a pre-seed or angel investment, there it's very important to help them. And they were very active in this one as well uh, from our investment team side to, to provide them with guidance, but also to bring them over to uh, to introduce them to the other companies we have within the Swiss Ventures Group. Um, which can help them because we have a legal company. Um, we have a company which is helping on the CFO and COO side. We have a, a company which helps you to professionalize uh, as a company quicker with the pitch books, first introductions uh, to, to investors. So we, we also can help them with introduction to the other sister companies we have. But on a day-to-day -day basis, we can also help them say, this is how you should do this going forward in order to achieve your aim. But it's very important for us. And do you take board seats on companies? In some cases, uh, our senior management uh, does this from time to time, depending. When would they deem that to be important and when does it not matter so much? I think it depends on uh, how the case is presented uh, if they believe that they can have really an impact when it comes to that kind of board level um, and that they can influence them in a positive way to achieve their aim, or the, 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 the set up path of the company in a quicker way. And Christoph, what does your specific role entail? <laughs> so my role, also my title is head of clients. Um, which also has been structured now with the FINMA regulation. And I'm basically looking after the client's interaction. So from an investment perspective, so every new investor or existing investors, our team is basically in contact with to give them the service and the uh, attention um, they're asking us for when they have any kind of question towards the funds or our uh, setup or procedures. And what is the secret to effectively managing relationships with professional investors and their companies who want to invest in you? Uh, what is the secret source? I think that it's, uh, so I'm doing this now since over 20 years and I, th and I like it because I like to talk to people. So I think a genuine curiosity in people, but also an understanding of the broader market there are a lot of pressure points uh, on people in the moment. And I think if you can combine all these things and uh, sometimes also know when not to call, um, that can bring you a very long way because we are all here for the same reason, because we, we want to make uh, a better performance for the investor and they're looking for the performance. And I think that's the secret thought. Be treated or treat others as you like to be treated, if I want to break it down in one sentence. Okay, because you before, I think, you worked in sales, didn't you, for BlackRock yep. and for UBS. Obviously, those yes, are both correct. very big companies. Yes. Presumably, most of the products you were representing were large public liquid yes. strategies. Yes. Yes. Um, how, how different has this been from those experiences? I mean, it's... So the, the structure of the job is the same, but if you're going from a big organization like UBS or BlackRock now to Serpentine, it's just the size you have a difference. You had more support teams in the big companies and everything was already done and set more or less in stone, but now you have more flexibility so you can 
create things, you can build things, you can shape things going forward. And now within with the next growth phase we're going into it, also with the FINMA license we got, is to bringing this knowledge or the training I got from the big corporates now into, into Serpentine is very interesting. And on the other hand, my mindset needs to change because it's it's a smaller company and you do things within a day. And uh, you have way more access to the senior management. So in my job, I talk to the co-founders, to all three co-founders of, uh, of Serpentine and the Swiss Ventures Group on a daily basis. And this is also, if I may say so, the fun part of it, because you can help to shape. So I learned a lot from them and they learned a lot from, from my uh, experience on the institutional side. Are there elements as well where, because also the asset class is very different, you have to manage yeah. investors' expectations yeah. in quite different ways? Yeah. It is it is different, but if you do this for such a long time and I cover different asset classes, you just learn to transfer your knowledge in there. And yes, we are talking about a longer time horizon. As we mentioned before, it's a closed-end fund and not an open-end fund where you can go out, as you said, liquid any day. It's different and it's just to have to explain it in, in, in a way. Most of the clients on the institution side are very familiar with the concept, but they're new to the asset class. They know this a lot from the private equity side. And now they're making the next step into the venture capital side, but the concept they know, but still you have very, very interesting conversations where sometimes it's also educational towards the new investor because they will need to learn and want to learn about it. Do you find that the popularity of the likes of partners group and the mm -hmm. in-house private markets divisions at the big banks has has that been very beneficial to you has it done a lot of the kind of investor education for you they did already a lot of of this one i mean you mentioned partners group for example which we know also very well um they did this like 15 years ago um and it, it helps because people are more familiar with the topic from the private equity to the venture side. But also we learned a lot from the years from private equity. So it's not it's, we, we are all less like a black box. So very transparent. Um, we have open transparency. We, we share uh, our documents with our investors so that they get very quickly, very familiar with the topic and see, okay, this is how they do it. Because in the end of the day, it's just a new asset class we work as an asset manager and we show you where we invest to and we show you, you mentioned this one before, on a, on, a, on a regular basis where our evaluation points are so that they can see how it develops over the years and where we stand because we want to do this in this way. I was also um, interested because uh, just also because you worked in sales for BlackRock yeah. and for UBS. Was yeah. it very different between the two of them? Is it easier to sell UBS products to Swiss people? I mean, de de definitely, it's easy in Switzerland if you're coming from UBS uh, in uh, in uh, in the beginning. I mean, when I started uh, in, in in UBS, in uh, sorry, in BlackRock, um, like oh god, this is not 13 years ago. I came to or 10 years ago to Switzerland. BlackRock was already known, but uh, not that known. Still, the, oh, it's the American. But over time, it changed because what they did is really they went into the Swiss market, but UBS is still an institution, so nearly everybody has a touching point with UBS out there. So it makes a conversation way easier to start. Okay. And I think I learned from scanning your LinkedIn that one of the roles mm -hmm. you had to do at UBS Asset Management was to do with liquidity. Yeah. How has that prepared you for 
covering um, venture capital. <laughs> it is actually a jump to go from a liquidity money market fund to to venture capital. Is I mean, I wanted. I mean, I did uh, the money market fund side also on BlackRock, and we built them up over the. <clears throat> the euro crisis and then everything else or we had the COVID crisis and it's a very interesting product but I wanted to go out a two aspects several aspects but one of the main reasons was I want to go out of the big organization I wanted to go to a smaller company like like a serpentine um, and also to change the asset class and I was very fascinated by the private market private debt private equity and I was very fortunate that um, I got the, the, the possibility to interview with the founders and they found my profile very interesting from a sales perspective and from um, the institutional side I bring to the table. And in the end of the day, it's just a new asset class. So it's, it, it's a transferable knowledge base you're bringing in. I, I learned very quickly in the beginning how it works. And then it's the same mechanism from a sales perspective in the background to the institutional investors. Okay. And what would you say um, has been the thing from your career that you've learned the most from that's most valuable to your current job? Yeah. Uh, patience. Patience when on, on sales side because you're dealing with people um, and it can take really time on the institutional side to get to the person, to the right person, to at the right time. And sometimes it really takes, I know, several calls, several meetings, that it's the time right. But um, as you asked before, if you have a passions for it, if you friendly, consistent, and follow up with the people, sooner or later, they will have a conversation with you. And if it fits in, you will have a really interesting conversation about, in, in my case now, about venture capital. Yeah, and I think Christian, uh, sorry, I think Christoph, you mentioned yep. that you're not originally Swiss. Uh, what's your um, What's your perspective of the Swiss asset management product selling market versus other markets around Europe? I mean, Switzerland is, is is very very international. I mean, when I arrived here ten years ago, you you basically speak any kind of language, um, and it it's a small market. But it has a very high um, asset base. I think we are talking about 2.8 trillion or something like this in total is is around. So you have a very international um, investor base, but you also have very international uh, product offerers. I mean, we mentioned before BlackRock, which came here, and you have other English or American uh, or German companies here. So you have a very international market in a small space, if you want to see it like this. That is uh, Christoph explaining how the Swiss venture capital market is working both for the wider Swiss asset management industry and for himself. Thank you very much, Christoph, Thank you for, for appearing this. on the podcast. It's my pleasure. And make sure everyone to subscribe so you can catch up on the next episodes too.